We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. It's not so much what I say, it's what I do. And do I follow up? If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And it doesn't always mean that it, you know, that I, it might mean I'm here longer because I said I was going to do it. But that is something I'm very committed to. If I tell a staff member I'm going to do something for them, then I, I'm going to follow up. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Nicole Seamus Schneeweiss is a proud mother of two boys. She and her husband have been together for close to 20 years, and they are committed to raising young men who work for social justice and recognize their social responsibility. Nicole, whose friends and family call her Nikki, was a special education teacher for close to 20 years and is now trying to impact positive change in the role of a special education administrator in a local community. In 2018, Nikki received her PhD in educational leadership and policy, writing a dissertation that examined race, class, and gender in education. Specifically, she argued for the use of stories and empathy to frame difficult conversations about identity in an effort to dismantle dominant narratives and reimagine a more equitable society. And I have to tell you, before we get started, I need to explain, in the name of transparency, the connection that I have with Nikki. I am extremely lucky and happy to have her working in the building that I am principal of. She's, like she said, the special education administrator that runs the special ed department. But it goes beyond that. It goes to the fact that she actually used to live in the house that my wife grew up in. So we had a connection before we even met on the job site and didn't realize it until later. So we're going to have a great conversation today. She's got a lot to say. And usually when we get together and talk, it goes on quite a while. So Welcome, Nikki. I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I was going to start to see, see, it was meant to be. <laughs> I still remember you talking about how, wait a minute, he looks familiar. Yes. But, yep. uh, because um, of that. Yeah. So at the, when you first got the job, Jeff Simonak, who was principal at the time, is now our superintendent. You came to our faculty meeting and I, I looked over and I Hmm, that face looks familiar. How do I know him? I, you know, and the education community is small, especially in the, you know, administration. So I was like, oh, I, you know, my, must be a reason. And then Jeff mentioned your wife worked at West Bridgewater. And I'm like, oh, 
I know Mary. I know that name, Mary Jones. And and then I put two, I'm like, that guy's been in my house. So that's how, yep. So I thought that was so funny. And she had the room that my oldest had until we moved. So, and then my oldest had her in seventh grade and eighth grade as a teacher. So yeah, we yeah. have had quite the, the connection, I would it, say. Yeah, yeah. It is a small world. It is, it is. <laughs> One of the great things is, that you spent so long as a teacher in a classroom um, before moving into the current position you are. So you still have that kind of foot in in both realms or definitely an understanding of the classroom um, still fresh in your mind. So I think you're going to have a lot of good things to say that leaders can learn from and, and even teachers can benefit from. So I do want to start off by asking you what you love most about being a school teacher slash leader. So I love being with students, being like, you get older, but they stay the same age and it keeps you young. You know, I love that. I do. And I think no matter what I did for a job, I was always going to want to be in a job where you were working with and helping people. I think that it's great that, you know, we have people in this world who are in business, but I needed a job that would not would fulfill me. It wasn't about making something or, or, you know, selling something. I needed something where I felt like I was contributing. And to be honest, you know, blood is not my thing. So education was it. (laughs) But in all seriousness, I just always love the idea of getting to work with kids. And I always knew high school because I like that idea of like, this is it before you send them into the world. I think every teacher always says what about somebody else's age, Oh, I could never teach that. And I do, I feel I'm one of those. I feel like when I hear about elementary or middle school, like Mary, I'm always like, oh, God bless you. I could never do that. I love high school because you see them when they still kind of are coming out of that middle school and you get to see them when you're about to let them like go off into the world and be young people and young adults. And it's such a magical time. It truly is. I think, you know, again, all teachers probably feel that about their age group. But for me, it's always been something very special about being in a high school, watching where kids are, knowing that when their parents come to you and they're scared as freshmen and the parents are scared because they're not doing well and you know, oh, this is going to be such a different conversation we're having in, in four short years and you and you actually see that. You see them, that they blossomed and they un, they learned how to advocate for themselves or how to learn better. It's just such a gift that you get for yourself. It's selfish, really. Like, uh, I think, you know, I hope I contribute to, you know, students. I hope I make an impact of sure. But I, there ha- there is a little bit of it that is totally has to be selfish and, and recognize that I'm doing this because I get something from it too. Like, it is such a gift to me to know that I've had that impact even small. And Chris, you know, we've had a tough year and I lost a colleague in my department. And I think the one thing that has stood out to me the most are all the stories I'm hearing about the kids that she impacted. And it's like, wow, like the smallest things we didn't know. You knew we would see her doing a lot of this work, but kid that I had no idea that she had worked with. And I think those are our teachers. Like they, teachers do this work. No one will may never know that they've done it. And you've made an impact and you've mattered to somebody. And so that's like amazing. That is such a personal thing. The idea of how people may never know. 
And I mean, people don't get into things and do things for always selfish reasons. And there's plenty of selfless people out there that don't get in to things for recognition, but who doesn't like a little recognition when we're being honest with ourselves? And mm-hmm. the idea that somebody is so dedicated, and I agree with you, I, you knew this colleague longer than I did. And um, so I knew some things, you knew some more things, but then even people that knew her for a long time, to hear all these things that they never knew and the impact on students, that's, that goes right to how you explained education being a gift, working in education. I, you know, I think that perspective is, is such a, a personal, meaningful thing to realize that the selfish part to education, if, if you're doing it well and, and in it for the right reasons, is that gift piece, what you get back from what you put in. So taking that, what would you, now that we're thinking about gifts and what you get out of it, what would you consider to be one of your biggest accomplishments over the course of your career so far? I think, and and to your point, I've never been one that needs public rec- recognition. It's always been those moments where I've seen a kid succeed in a small or a, or sometimes a big way. I, I am very fortunate. We were actually just talking about a student right before we got on who, you know, had such a difficult time his freshman year um, and is in such a different place now. And the work, and not just me, like the work the team did, that we just were not going to give up on this kid and we were going to be creative in what we were going to offer and and how to reach him. And he, and there is a piece on kids though, they have to want to meet you halfway with that, or, or even sometimes you're given three fourths and you're just asking for a quarter, whatever they have to, they have to come to the table too. And he was, he did. Um, and we did some creative thinking to get this kid and he didn't pass one class, you know, freshman year. We did a lot of creative things over the summer. We, you know, were willing to transport him to the summer program to recoup stuff. We, we just did a lot as a team. No, not one person, everybody contributed who worked on his team and no one, you know, I think we've all thanked, you know, one another, like as teammates, but it wasn't our team members, but we haven't gone out and said like, boy, I deserve a raise for that or public right. It's not about that. And it never has been. Um, So, but there is, and so when I say there's like that little bit of selfish piece, it's that piece that I know that I know that that mattered for him. And he doesn't need to say anything because that's not what it's about. I didn't need that from him. I just needed to see him succeed. And that was so amazing that he did that. And and I have those stories. You know, I wish it was every kid. I do. I mean, I think I'm still idealistic in that way that I wish I could do it for every kid. But there is that piece where the kid has to want it too. And the family has to be on board when try to like trust you. There's a lot about trust. Like just trust me with the kid. I promise you that I will do right by your kid. And that's a hard thing. And that in high school is a hard piece because sometimes I feel like what I'm what we're up against is a bad experience or whatever it is. And I think we have a great district here, but kids come from all over. They've come from different experiences, whatever it is. And so we have to try to build up trust where there might not be any. So I think 
those stories, though, where you have achieved that, you know, and I think I remember you and I talked about one other one. I, you know, I've t- I have I have more than just two, but I, you know, one other one that, you know, we've talked sticks, once in a while. Yes. Yeah. You know, sticks out as a similar story about a student who just could have made some really bad choices. He had been involved, arrested. He had been involved with um, selling. This is way back early in my career, selling drugs and things like that. And uh, me and uh, another teacher, we took a group of, and he was included in this, and we took them to all these different post-secondary options. Like, look at, you could go to this training program or this this uh, hair cosmetology program. And we went to the bank, Ben Franklin Institute way back when, like all these different places. And fast forward, he ended up getting, going into cosmetology, becoming a hairdresser, did hair on for New York on, for Fashion Week, has his own salon, you know, and is that about me? No, it was about saying there's more out here and let me expose you to that because that's what an educator does. We present opportunity. And then, and just like the other student, you have to then take that and run with it. And I wish I could push you to it. I, that's probably the hardest part as an educator is that we can't make them and we can't force them, but we can, we can support, we can provide opportunity and we can, you know, rally and and be there and be creative in trying to at least provide our best options. So, yeah. So you, you've just said so much that my head's spinning about a bunch <laughs> of different ideas and all, all from the idea of the benefit of being an educator, basically, and the gift of being an educator. But what I want to do is ask you or help, help draw a parallel for everybody, because I'm, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking to myself, This is awesome about teachers dealing with students and issues students face and that teachers face when they're trying to get students to trust them and so forth. I can't help but think about leaders Mm -hmm. that come into a situation where they're looking to bring a faculty or a staff along. They're looking to build trust. They could be dealing with people that have had bad experiences. They're looking to meet halfway or even like you said, 75-25. And with the attitude of not about you, it's not about the leader. The idea of successful um, or success isn't, isn't about the leader. Do you have any idea how leaders can do that with faculty? Can you blow it up to no longer teacher to student, but leader to faculty? Yeah, I think they're kind of similar. Um, for me, I, I do appreciate that having had been in the classroom as long as I have, because I definitely still call upon what I felt like when I was in the classroom, what helped me and what I wish I had both. And so that I can think through and it goes back to even my dissertation, like that idea of what do my teachers that I'm working with, what would they feel? What do they need? What did I feel? What did I need when I was in that role? So I think that's a big key piece. And sometimes I notice when I'm not doing my best work, I've gotten really far away from that idea of like thinking about and I'm just, I'm right, I'm because we're we are in administration. We do have this. We do have, um, you know, things that need to get done, timelines that need to get met. We're getting, you know, mandates from Desi that need to get put out to our staff. And sometimes I'm firing off emails, and then I have to stop myself and go, wait, if I'm the recipient of this, how am I feeling? I'm getting overloaded. Right. I'm getting overwhelmed. So definitely try to think with my lens of how I felt when I was a teacher. I think that is an important piece of what we can do as as leaders. I think the same as when I was a teacher in the classroom, 
it's not so much what I say, it's what I do. And do I follow up? If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And it doesn't always mean that, you know, that I, it might mean I'm here longer because I said I was going to do it. But that is something I'm very committed to. If I, if I tell a staff member, I'm going to do something for them, then I, I'm going to follow up. If I say I'm going to, if I will advocate, and this is where I think Again, and we were very forthright with the listeners, like we we work together. I'm very, this is another key piece of leadership for me is having your colleagues in the leadership and the administrative level that you, you work together well and that you trust each other. Trust for the students is the same as trust in the, you know, trust at our level because that we're coming at this from the best possible place so that when I come to you and I'm advocating for something on behalf of a faculty member that you know it's coming from a good place that I am really believing this, that I need this to happen. But then when this faculty member sees that I've done something for them, and I can give you a really good example, and it was so small, but our paras wanted death. And it was like such a simple, small thing, but it mattered because it's space and it says you matter here. And I wanted them all to have it. And I came to you and we're like, yeah, we're going to do this because It's such a small thing if you really think about it, but it's very meaningful and impactful to the people who received it. And they knew that I knew they wanted it and we made it happen. And I said, I'm going to advocate for this. Or, you know, we've had this conversation where we are telling our teachers, we trust you with your time. You and I have talked about this, like we have this Wednesdays and I'm sure a lot of our colleagues right now are experiencing this half day Wednesday during the pandemic. And we're saying we trust you as professionals to use your time the way you want. And I think that that has been good to for our colleagues to see. So I think it's about following through with the things that you think matter. And when they ask for something, because the teachers wanted that, they wanted that time. And we followed through like saying, yes, yes, that makes sense. I'm going to advocate for that for you because, and I'm not saying I get all my wins, but at least they know I tried and I can explain to them why it, it can't happen. And I, you and I have had this conversation too, where it goes to both sides. So when you're talking about like, sometimes I think teachers don't know why a decision is made. And so they create their own story. I think, you know, Brene Brown has a colorful language around, you know, your, your first drafts, (laughs) but yeah. uh, (laughs) yeah, where you create that story, right? Like what you think is happening. And and I, I gave you another example about this this summer, like where I learned from our from some teacher colleagues here that they didn't realize all that went into creating our schedule. And when I t- started to tell them about, they're like, oh, and I get I get so upset or I get frustrated sometimes when I, you know, when my schedule looks this way or that. And I didn't realize all those pieces. And so that's another piece of leadership is for me to take the time to explain, okay. I know you wanted this, or I know this looks bad. But let me explain to you because that extra five or 10 minutes that I feel like I don't have to explain something is going to save me a lot <laughs> of frustrated people down the road. And in my role as a teacher, and I hope my role as a leader, when I feel valued and I feel good, it doesn't mean I everything's going well, but I feel valued and I understand I'm going to perform better and I'm going to want to work for the district or for my colleagues or for whomever, right? So I think I take away those pieces of what I, it's really like, what do you want? What would make you feel good? Okay, that's going to be true for other people, you know? So if I want to know that 
you know, if you tell me to do something and I don't understand why you're asking me as my principal, like, why is he asking me to do that? Like, I don't, that doesn't make sense. But you do this too. You, you, you'll explain like, we need this because Desi's asking this. Oh, okay. So this is extra work. I get it. But there's a reason. I'm not just being asked to do something because, you know, it's just like, go make, you know, your colleagues crazy day. It's, right, there's a right. legitimate reason. And, and there always is. And that's what I try to impress. There's always a reason. First one, it's just nice to know what it is. Cause then you're like, right, oh, okay. Right. You know, so that's, I think those are some of the, my takeaways as a, as a leader and in, in having gone from the classroom to this role um, and how I try to think about what it's, is going to help the, the staff. I, I was just going to say, I love that you mentioned the small things because, and how much time they save you because the small things I've been told many times are what matter and make the biggest difference. So taking the taking the five extra minutes that seem like you don't have that save the half hour just by explaining what you're talking about. The idea of desks, you know, you think about, well, how big of a deal can a desk be in a classroom? But when it's blown up to the idea that you matter and you're part of the community because you have a desk, so we've given you a permanent place type thing here, it's really something small, but the payout is huge. Right. And I think we see that happen, you know, that's key. We see that happen with students, with teachers, with students, and clearly with leaders with teachers. You were talking about, you know, the different wins that you have and things like that. What about some losses? I'm going to ask you to I'm going to ask you to be a little vulnerable here. Can you think of a time where things didn't go so well for you and what role a leader could have played in either helping you with that or making sure it didn't happen to begin with? So, I think the times where I feel like it's a, a loss for me is, so we, you know, we, you and I have had this conversation too, like there's so much going on this year and it's just a hard year anyways. And if I wasn't included in decisions and then get asked about what's happening by my staff, I hate that. Like, and, and I get, why it happens, but I hate to not, I hate to not know that I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, don't so, we all? <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think for me, sometimes when I'm caught off guard and one of the, the takeaways was be the most prepared person in the room. And I, that's like yeah. that in an, in, in, for my world in special education, when I am leading a meeting, I live by that because I will prepare every possible bill like question I might get and I might not even get any of them, but I feel better. I'm more confident. So when I'm caught off guard to me, that's a like, I just, I don't like that. If I'm unprepared, I don't like that. That feels like a loss. And we've just had such a tough year that it's hard to just always be prepared and always, you know, make sure all the players. So it, it goes both ways. If I'm not told anything, you know, because we do have multiple leadership members, you know, that are making decisions as well for their departments and whatever. And, and as a sped person, you are in all departments. So it doesn't always work out. And then conversely, if I don't communicate something well to my, my department, those are losses to me because it, I get frustrated. And when I can't give the staff what they need, or I can't give up even a family what they might think they need and I don't have an answer. Those for me are hard. So I know recently when I got some text messages about a situation and that the staff was like, wait, am I going to have to do this? Like, am I covering for this situation? And I had no idea what they were talking about. But again, this goes back to my earlier point about so in that moment, I was like, why are, this seems like a, an important decision. I should have been a part of the conversation around. So I felt it's that moment of like, 
I could have felt disrespected. Like I was my, you know, that story you're telling yourself, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, I was purposely left out of this conversation and they <laughs> yeah, didn't want yeah. my input. And now I just have to deal with the repercussions or, and this is my, why it's so important to have a strong leadership team who trust each other or you text somebody right away <laughs> right, or you, right. you know, or you just, you reach out and you say, it, can, just fill me in what's going on. It comes from, let's not assume that somebody wants to get you like, and that right, they want right. what's, you know, they're, they're, uh, they purposely did something that this is such a crazy year. And even if it's not this year, even if it is, we're back to normal, no matter what it is, let's just assume people are working from the best possible place. And because again, as leaders and as a leadership team at the high school, um, I feel like we have that, tr that trust amongst each other. We, we definitely have different personalities amongst our leadership team. I think you would agree with that. Uh, quite a few. Yeah, we all bring different <laughs> We yep. bring different skills to the table for sure. But I, I think when it goes back to the other thing I said, which is when people say, see you say you're going to do something and you do it and you stay committed to your, basically your, your ethics, your values and your, your, your being, um, your integrity, then I think they'll respect you. Maybe not agree with your decision, but respect you. So when I was left off that particular decision and that felt like a loss that day and, and may have come like with a few, like it's just been a tough year with dealing with special education anyways. So it just felt like one more thing. I think those are tough that I just reached out and I said, can you just let me know? And again, you know, having that respect to like, between each other to say, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm sorry. Like that wasn't, that right. wasn't purposeful. And the, okay, so how can I contribute now? What do I need to tell my staff? What's the, and I try not to use that word, my staff, the staff, they're not mine. <laughs> yeah. What do I need to, how can I support them and this decision? So I definitely believe me, it's, I it made myself sound a lot better. It, it's not my initial, like it wasn't my go-to at first I was mad. And I, I fully acknowledge that, but it's how you react after we're going to get mad, you know, or we're going to be upset or, or like I've gotten emails and other losses. Like when I get an email and I'm questioned about something and I'm immediately like, what? why am I being questioned about, <laughs> you know? And then I'm like, wait a minute. Like, again, I know that I've built up enough sort of work capital, if you will, like, you know, that people know that I am never going to make a decision that I that is poor, like purposefully poor. Like I'm not right, trying to right. get anybody in trouble. I'm not trying to make a bad choice for a family or for the district or anything like that. So, so then kind of reaching out and, and finding out what, what's behind this question or what's behind this, you know, um, email or this decision. So those, I guess though, so my losses are when I feel like I'm being questioned in the sense of, or not included and not given the benefit of the doubt. But I feel like really lucky that it comes often with a win of knowing that we've created a really strong leadership team here that uh, that trusts one another. Again, we don't all agree with each other. Like, I don't right. want to mislead the listeners to be like, oh, it's yeah. all utopia over there at Whitman Hanson. Oh, yeah, we all get along 100% of the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not that. But I think we've created a culture, a leadership culture. I'd like to believe. I, this is how my this is my value in it, my perception. We've created a leadership culture that we can talk to one another if there's something wrong. Right. And that's the important thing. And, you know, there are a couple of important things you said there. The idea that what you're talking about is really heavy empathy. 
and self-awareness and being able to look at things from another perspective and you being able to take a step back because being the recipient of your text saying, hey, what's going on with this? I'm sure that wasn't the first thought that came across the mind, but you stepped back and trusted in the idea that I'm not out to get you (laughs) or anything like that. And anybody that knows you, and when you talk about your capital, so to speak, anybody that knows you that's been there in a meeting with you knows that you are, no joke, the most prepared person in the room when you're leading a meeting. That's And it's funny because um, you almost get excited about it. Your whole demeanor changes. When we go into a meeting, you're you're super excited because you've got all the stuff you need right in front of you. But what you were looking for, so, and, and I'll put this in the show notes so our, our, our listeners can definitely pick it up. It's a really good book. It's Raise Your Game. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, no problem. The, uh, and it's, it's really, it's a really good book with, um, and I don't even mean to plug the book, but it's a really good book with a lot of different skills you can use. Right. Uh, you're talking about, a lot of the stuff you're talking about has to do with those, those different skills that center around self-awareness really, and being able to step back and look at things and, and take other perspectives. But um, what I want to do here is I want to stop for a minute and, you know, hear from some of the sponsors of the show, and then, then we'll come right back. And I, I want to continue that because that's such a deep topic and we'll make it a little more specific to leaders. So we'll, we'll be right back. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Better Leaders, Better Schools Mastermind. The Mastermind is built on the ABCs of powerful professional development, authenticity, belonging, and challenge. With all three components, leaders experience transformation in their personal and professional lives. Personally, I've been a member of the Mastermind for years, and it's transformed my leadership by teaching me how to challenge the status quo and honor my personal vision for what leadership should be. Join me and other leaders from around the world in the Mastermind. You can apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we're back with Nikki talking about the important role that, you know, self-awareness and empathy play in a leader's toolkit, so to speak, that they can use to regulate themselves and help themselves step back and make good decisions and, and follow through. Nikki, you've mentioned a couple of things that leaders can do to make sure they're supporting, engaging, or empowering their teachers. But can you can you give me some really just key nuts and bolts things that they need to pay attention to? Yeah, I wanted to just add to and, and circle back. I think one of the things, and you, you plugged that book, but we did that as a leadership book club. And I think right. that's an important piece to point out in terms of just building that trust in that. I think having had that opportunity to talk together, not about school stuff, but about leadership has was one of the reasons that built that trust in our team. It's something that I want to do. So that gets into then your question. Like it's something I want to do. This year has just been put on hold like for all of us. But with my department as well is to say like, let's talk 
about how to improve our practice through using a book or a means, but it doesn't have to be Whitman Hansen related today or, or special education related. It's just to talk about how we can, what skills and what do we agree and disagree with. And it's just a nice way. And it's actually is what, you know, I talked about with my dissertation. I mean, my dissertation was very focused on how to have difficult conversations around race, class and gender and using narrative to do that. But I think the the heart of that is still the same, meaning you to use literature or, or fiction or nonfiction to have discussion with people to get to know them on a more personal level is important. So I think as a leader, really taking the time to, you don't have to, you don't have to be besties with everybody you work with. That's not what I'm saying, but really like know them. And by knowing them, ask about then, you know, like how your mom doing or how I, isn't it, you know, isn't your so-and-so graduating this year? Like what's the college, like letting people know that you actually care about them beyond the work you guys are doing together is, is really important. I think to letting people know that you are, you, you care about them as human beings. You know, this is, this is tough work that we do. And yes, you want your people that you work with to perform their best and you want to support them with that. But you also want them to know, hey, I, I see you as a human being and I value, you know, who you are as a person as well. So I think taking the time to get to know the people you work with is important. And then uh, one of the things I try to do is look for, and I think it might have been, I might have been in a, another book that we read together, but it's like looking for the love languages of your staff, right? Like that idea, but like, look, and I, how do they like to be recognized? Some people don't like public recognition, right? I can think of a staff member that we both adore. She does great work for our postgrads and she does not like public recognition, but I send her note and let her know like, Hey, and every once in a while, I'm like, too bad. You have to be publicly recognized because you do such amazing work. And it's, you know, and I need people to know you're doing this amazing work, but it's also the little things or sending a text. So knowing what, how your staff wants to, to be appreciated matters. It goes back to what we talked about right at the beginning, which is we don't do this work for public recognition. That's not why we're in education and certainly not why you're in special education. You're never going to be like very rarely. Are you the teacher of the year? Because you don't teach a big enough classes to enough students. Like it just doesn't happen. But that doesn't mean you're not teacher of the year. <laughs> you know, I was say, yeah. right. Like, and, and again, going back to our colleague who we lost, like I thought like she was clearly made an impact on so many students, but it was never going to be that level that, you know, of public recognition where she just, it just is a different, it's a different world in special education. And, and so I think letting people know like that you see the work they're doing and is so critical as a leader. I think that's the, the, the most important thing we can do is to say, I appreciate what you just did. Like I saw what you did there and I working with that kid or uh, making that extra phone call or because there's a lot of things we don't do as we, as, as administrators on a, or we don't see on a day-to-day basis. And I always used to say when I was in the teaching role and I've carried this over, if you don't, just if you don't know it's happening, it's because I'm doing a really good job. Meaning if it doesn't rise to my administrator's level, it's because I've I've took, taken care of a lot as a teacher. And I know that. And I know that was my reality in my role as a teacher. And so, and it doesn't mean if it does come to me or it does go to you, Chris, that they're not doing a good job, but I know that they have done a lot 
before it has to get to that level, right? Yeah, that is pure gold, what you just said. The idea of something doesn't come up or all the way up to our office, so to speak, not to sound like there's a hierarchy or anything like that. But in reality, people usually, the, the teachers hit with so much first. When I get things, I, I like to get difficult decisions to make because that's rewarding for me. That's where, I'm, that's where I feel rewarded because if all I get are the difficult decisions, I have faith in the teachers and I hope to empower the teachers enough or the rest of the leadership team enough to know that that's because if it could have been handled, if it was an easy decision, it's, it would already have been made. And so if, I, if an easy decision comes up to me, then I'm not doing my job as a leader because somebody else should have felt confident enough or felt empowered enough to be able to make that decision. So yeah. that's, that's so important what you're saying about all the work being done before it comes to you. You talk a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You, you talk a lot about reflecting and things like that, just in other terms about, you know, stepping back and being self-aware. But it's funny how you t- you're talking about, and I'm really intrigued by this because you're almost talking about not necessarily reflecting inward, but reflecting outward, if that makes any sense. Because I usually ask people, reflection is such an important part of our profession. Mm-hmm. And I usually ask people what they, what they would advise leaders to do as far as reflecting and practicing reflection. Do you have anything to say about that or any advice to give that? Because you're huge into reflection, just the way you're talking and some of the things you're talking about. It all has to do with that empathy and self-awareness. Yeah, I do. I, and I, so I would say like two big takeaways from our conversation today have been like reflection and relationships. And I don't think I necessarily had articulated that way, but I think that is what I would say as a leader are the two takeaways reflection and building relationships, you know, so we'll have to come up with a third R. It's like the three R's, right? (laughs) Everything's got to rhyme, right? You need alliteration, you need all that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I, you know, I, I could say, and this is like true and that, but not what I want other people to do. And like the 3 a.m. wake up, is that what you mean? When you wake up and you go, how could I do that better? Because that does happen. Oh, yes, that happens. Yeah. um, But I don't want to encourage that behavior. I definitely think that, reflection is a part of my practice when I'm in the car. You know, it's, I wish I could say I embedded enough in the day, but it, it is, it is a part of my daily routine before I react to something that we talked about earlier. Like if I'm, if I get struck with something, I do have a good practice and habit of not reacting, of sitting and thinking first. And I think that's important. And that is, is a, a good habit that I have developed. In terms of making time within my day, I wish I did that more, but I it sort of happens naturally because I do think about work a lot because I am committed to being better. And I find sometimes when I really work a lot and I've just been in sort of autopilot mode, getting things done, getting things done, that I own, that's when I notice and I start to feel guilty and I'll start to be like, wait, I need to think here. I need to, am I doing enough for my, you know, my fellow colleagues? Am I, am I thinking enough? Have I said thank you enough? Have I, so I think, I wish I said, I wish I could say I embed it. Like it's part of my, you know, at the end of the day, before I close my computer. Yeah. Before (laughs) I close the computer, I think about how I could be better tomorrow, but I, I definitely notice I, my mind is thinking about it in the car a lot on the way if, you know, I'll think about what do I have coming up today? What could I do to help with that situation? And on the way home, 
what went well today? Uh, you and I have talked about this and I, my husband is in the field as well. Mm-hmm. And you, you have, you said you, I don't know if it's still the case, but you do well about not talking shop. I am not good about that. <laughs> yeah. And so Renee will tell you every family walk or the or a walk of ours, he and I go on is like, are we going to, are we going to talk about work today? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh. oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, and we're, we're going an extra mile today. So yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely talk to him a lot. So I, I, it is a part, it's not like I, a scheduled part It's but it is a part of my daily because we're here so much and it matters to me. And I want to be good at it and I want to do better. So I think it's just always on my mind to talk about clearly as this episode has shown, like I'm not, I I can get, I can get talking about, (laughs) about the work. Just a little bit, just a little bit about the work. You have a lot to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So so. I do want to circle back to something because I I don't want to let you off the hook on something. You gave me the questions that you use like in the car and stuff like that. Yeah. But one of the things is the idea that you try to stop and reflect before you react or so that you respond instead of react. What do you say to yourself to get yourself to pause? Because I think that's key. I think that's true for a lot of people or a good place to start that just something happens. Whoa, stop. Take a break for a second. What is there a phrase you use? Is there like I heard somebody give me a funny phrase before that I I used for a little bit. And um, he said he would stop and say, isn't that peculiar? <laughs> and that would that would be the inner trigger to say, oh, okay, hold on, slow down for a minute and, and examine this. Do you have any like catchphrase you use or anything to slow you down? I don't. I what I do do sometimes is I put I'll email the thing. I I won't put the person's name in the because in case you accidentally hit send, but <laughs> I'll put the I'll put the email or the text that I wish I could send. Like just to get it out. I will do that. Like I don't necessarily, and I'll just look at it and read it and be like, yeah, you know, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. that's what I wish. And now I'm going to go to the calmer version or whatever. Or I think it's just habitual for me. Like if I'm aggravated with something I've received or seen, or I'm getting, you know, something that makes me respond in a way, I just know that personality wise, I'm not a confrontational person. I, I'm not afraid to address an issue, but I'm not going to do it in a combative way. It's just not my, it's just not my MO. I would rather come at it in a thoughtful way, in a collaborative way, because I think that's just better and going to get you a better result with, whether it be with a parent, a colleague, a student, I'm not going to come at you like aggressively. That being said, so I think I definitely have crafted the what I wish I could say email, (laughs) you know, or it, or any of those things, or I will, I have called Renee from work um, just because he does this work. And I'll be like, Hey, this just, what do you, what are your thoughts? So I just think it's just kind of, it's advice I would give any leader, do it, stop, find your person. I've come down to your office before and said like, Hey, I, (laughs) I don't need you to say anything. (laughs) Just sit there and listen. Just listen. Yeah. Like, this is what just happened. And I've even had that phrase, like, I'm going to cry right now. And not because I'm sad, because I'm so bad. Like, we've had <laughs> yeah. that conversation, you know? Oh, yeah. Right? And I think, again, I this is like another full circle moment, but it goes to trust in your colleagues, like, that you can do that. But find your people, because this work is hard. Somebody's going to upset you. Somebody's going to question you. And the best advice I can give you, and maybe I will try to come up with a phrase, but I think it's just my routine is just to pause I don't need to tell myself to do anything to do it. I just know that that's 
the better way to approach the situation. Because if I react now, we have two reactionary situations that's never going to end well for for anybody. So I guess second to that would be find your people. I've said that to you before. That's always my advice to anybody. whether it be a teacher or uh, another leader, find your people, have your network, have your people that have your back, that know, you know, that you can go to. They could be different people for different reasons, you know, but that would be my probably best advice is, but I don't, I don't have a, yeah, I don't have a, like a catchphrase, but I'll work on it. There you go. There you go. If you come into my office and start saying a catchphrase, I'll know what's going on. Yeah, I'll be like, this is it. The, um, all right. So you went into the last question that I usually ask and you already answered that. So you gave some really good things and some of the most important things leaders need, but you're not going to escape from my second to last question that I always ask. And that is, if you were not a teacher slash leader, who, not what would you be? Oh, who would I be? I'd still be somebody that cares about other people doing some sort of work that contributes to society, humankind, humanity. Like I would still be me. Like that's the best part about having a good uh, working relationship is when you can feel like you're fully yourself at work. Like you, like I feel that way. Like I feel very comfortable. Like this is my personality. Like I can, you know, be silly. Like I'll tell a story. Like I will, you know, whatever. So I would still be me no matter where I hope, no matter where I would be, but I would be contributing to the, you know, society in some capacity. And that's what I think education is about. It's about contributing to other people, um, hopefully making an impact and improving their lives in a very small way or very large way, you know, with what we've seen with our, like I said, our colleague, what I've seen even in my own experience as having been an educator, it could have been a small thing where a student just passed a test that they didn't think they'd passed. It could be a very big thing where you expose somebody to something that changed their life and made them become that career. You know, those are amazing opportunities and moments that you can reflect on. But I would hope that no matter what I did, if it wasn't in education, I would be able to make an impact on other people that was positive, again, in a small way or in a bigger way. So that's awesome. And that answer is a great place to leave this, but I just can't because I figured out your third R. Oh, what is it? (laughs) From that answer, I figured it out. It's about reflection. It's about relationships. And it's about real, being real. Oh, nice. So like there you that. go. You've got your three R's. Yeah. You know, like reading, writing, and arithmetic. Now yeah. we have the three R's of leadership. There you Reflecting, go. Reflecting relationships and being real. So good stuff. I'll I tell you what, I'm, I'm going to leave it there because I don't want to say anything that's going to wreck that or take away from it. But you've said a lot of good things today, Nikki, and given a lot of really good advice from experience, obviously. People want to reach out, get in touch with you. How do they do that? What's the best way? I am on Twitter, Dr. Seamus. <laughs> makes me laugh. Still makes me laugh to say that. <laughs> and I am also on uh, LinkedIn. I That's Dr. Nicole Seamus Schneeweiss. There's a mouthful. So if you can find me, you won. Yeah, yeah. If, if they can find you, they can get in touch with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you really want it. But Twitter and LinkedIn, I'm at, at, you know, I'm on both of those forms of social media. So that's awesome. probably the best way. Well, it's it's been fantastic. We always have good conversations. This one was no exception. I think uh, a lot of people are going to get a lot of good things out of it. So really... Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being on, Nikki. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for inviting me. I really had a great time. 
Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.